0: I'm Damian Bulwa, Metro Editor of the San Francisco Chronicle. Today on Fifth and Mission, the case of Napoleon Brown, Mayor London Breed's brother, who's serving a 44-year prison sentence over a death on the Golden Gate Bridge. City Hall reporter Dominic Fercasa is here to talk about Brown's new bid to win freedom and about the mayor's complicated role in the case. Dominic, thanks for coming in again. Thanks so much for having me. I know you're not old enough for this, but I want to start with a little bit of a story here. When I was a young reporter at the San Francisco Examiner, one of the first stories I covered was about a death on the Golden Gate Bridge, and a woman had been hit in traffic. She had allegedly been pushed from a car, and then recently something happened that caused me to look back. And see that that case is still with us. What is that?
1: Yeah, that I think the 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 name that sort of links that all together is a a man named Napoleon Brown. Um, Napoleon was, you know, according to prosecutors, the the guy who pushed that woman out of the car on the Golden Gate Bridge that night in June of 2000. He would he was fleeing an armed robbery of a Johnny Rockets diner uh, that night. Uh, and he was uh, peeling away on the bridge when this woman was ejected from the car and hit by another vehicle uh, and, and later died shortly thereafter. Her name was Lentis White. She was 25 years old at the time. But these these events, like you said, have come, come back to light because Napoleon Brown, it turns out, is the older brother of San Francisco's mayor, London Breed. Um, it's all kind of resurfaced late last year, uh, I think in December of 2018, when it came to light that uh, the mayor had petitioned the outgoing governor at the time, Jerry Brown, to reconsider Napoleon's sentence. He's been in jail for the past 19 years uh, because of all those events, and just recently, um, in fact, just, just just this past week, um, she, Napoleon was back in court, uh, and, and so that's uh, that's kind of what we're here to talk about today. It's it's a case that you know is obviously very personal to the mayor and has got a lot of twists and turns in it. Even since you know, even since Napoleon's been in jail for these past 19 years.
0: Okay, so later, let's talk about what happened in court last week, whether Napoleon Brown might be freed from this long sentence or at least have some of the sentence taken off and and what that means to London Breed's career in San Francisco. But first, going back, how did the how did the case resolve in 2000? Um, He was accused initially of murder, wasn't he? That's exactly right. He was convicted of murder. Um, he was convicted of murder,
1: carjacking, um, and, and a handful of other, of other charges, robbery as well. Um, and he uh, went to jail for a couple of years on, on those charges. So he's been in jail since, since then, essentially. Uh, a, a few years later, um, basically on, a, on appeal, uh, his attorney was able to uh, convince the court uh, that his counsel at the time was ineffective. Uh, it's kind of a technicality, but what happened was the judge had presented jury instructions early. Uh, before uh, I think the attorneys had had a chance to make their closing arguments, which is not, not the way things are supposed to be ordered, right? But the attorney failed to object when that happened. And so uh, 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 Mr. Brown's attorney now found an opening to, to kind of make an appeal. So basically the murder charge was vacated. But he is still serving. I want to be clear about this because this is important. He is still serving a 44 year sentence for carjacking and armed robbery. They vacated the murder sentence and he later pled guilty to involuntary manslaughter, which is a conviction, right? That means he's been convicted of manslaughter. He pled no contest to that pleaded no contest rather. Uh, but he is in jail on those concurrent sentences now for manslaughter and for carjacking and arm, armed robbery and a, and a handful of other charges. So that's that's okay. that's kind of where we're at. That's where he's at now.
0: So on one end, you have this very shocking case because this woman died in the traffic on the Golden Gate Bridge. On the other, 44 years for manslaughter is is on the high end, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. It's uh, on the high end. There, there were also at the time um, a mandatory sentencing uh, guidelines that the judge in that case followed that it actually you know incidentally now have been uh, uh, reduced to discretionary uh, on, on the judge's part when he's making those sentencing decisions but yeah you're exactly right uh, what what's sort of interesting though and what's really important to keep in mind is that again those those sentences are concurrent you know he's they're not they're not on top of each other so we're talking you know about the chance for Napoleon brown to get a lesser sentence but he's still going to have to face these other charges for which he's been sentenced to 44 years
0: okay so at this time Lennon breed our mayor is a young woman in her 20s yep but this case really becomes part of her personal story, doesn't it? It really does. Um, she has talked,
1: you know, as a candidate on the campaign trail for years. She's discussed the fact that, you know, she's had a brother in prison. She never really got into why. And she, you know, had a, had a sister who died of a, of a drug overdose at a young age. And she sort of used that as part of her personal narrative as to, look, I'm a person who came Came up from poverty. I have a unique view on what it's like to grow up in in a in a violent environment and and under these really uh, tough in, circumstances. in the Western edition, which exactly. is just
0: a handful of blocks from City Hall
1: in in Plaza East, which is at the time it's not there anymore, but one of the worst you know housing projects in San Francisco. That's that's where she came from, and she's she's not shied away from that. But the details of the case were never really uh, were never really probed until all this stuff came forward with the governor's letter last December.
0: Okay, so she she ends up uh, becoming a community organizer. Yep. She ends up being sort of an activist uh, and running for office, working for Willie Brown, all of these things. Um, But she's playing a dual role here, isn't she? I mean, she she's also probably the most important advocate as the sister of Napoleon Brown as he tries to fight the case in the courts. Oh, she's absolutely his most
1: prominent advocate. And this is where things get a little bit, you know, delicate for the mayor in that she has always, you know, stepped up for her brother on multiple occasions. You know, she says with her attorney's, uh, you know, uh, advice, trying to get his sentence reduced. And she'll tell you too that she used to do that for all kinds of people before she was an elected official, showing up at parole hearings, you know, uh, uh, sending letters, uh, attesting to a person's, you know, sort of personal growth in jail and things like that. People in the neighborhood that she knew who got in trouble with the law. So this is very much par for the course for her personally, but obviously it doesn't get more personal than having your own brother in jail. And and as an elected official, that's where things start to get a little bit more complicated for her and questions arise about whether she's using her station to 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 influence the decision of, of lawmakers and other people to kind of to make this happen for her brother, to get
0: her brother some help. Or whether she's acting as a sister. Yeah. Who really believes that the sentence is, is too long. And how can someone kind of navigate those two things, but obviously do it properly because she's the most powerful person in the city. Yeah. And it's, it really
1: increases the need to do it above board. After the stuff with the governor's letter came to light, she said, I always expected this to become part of the public record, but why you wouldn't be sort of more out front with it and let people know rather than let it be discovered by reporters is, you know, uh, possibly something that she re- should have reconsidered
0: at the time. Okay. I want to get to all that. I want to ask you about how she has navigated this issue, but I, let's take a break. Uh, We're talking to Dominic Fercasa, City Hall reporter, about the case of Napoleon Brown, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm here with Dominic Fercasa on Fifth and Mission. We're talking about Mayor London Breed's brother, who's serving a long prison sentence and is seeking to have it reduced uh, as his sister is in office. So, your stories recently on this on this issue, Dominic, have touched on uh, several occasions in which the mayor has been an advocate for a brother while she's in elected office. Now, it starts, doesn't it, um, before the the letter to the governor, it mm-hmm. starts with uh, asking the D.A.'s office to look at the case.
1: Yeah, that's right. So the all the stuff with the governor happened last year. That was, you know, at the end of Jerry Brown's term. But uh, it's come to light uh, recently in conversations I had with, uh, uh, you know, people, you know, within the DA's office uh, who turned me on to this, uh, uh, this previous incident, this time in which, uh, according to them, and these were credible people whose stories were all uh, uh, matched up with each other, that the mayor in 2014, about a year, a little over a year after she was first elected to serve as the uh, District 5 supervisor on San Francisco's Board of Supervisors, so the first time she sort of made the transition to being an elected official, she asked then District Attorney George Gascone to review her brother's case. It was, according to these people, a phone call. It was a, a a sort of personal request with no assumption of quid pro quo, no, I will do this for you if you look at my brother's case. At least not explicitly. She asked George Gascon to review the case, and he obliged that request. He convened a team of attorneys. He spent about ten days going through the paperwork, going through the old files, to see if there was some evidentiary problem, or to see if there had been legislative changes that might provide an opening to to uh, uh, to look for a resentencing for her brother. George Gascon, you know, put himself out there as a, as a as a progressive prosecutor. And you know, there's lots of times when you know you look back at an old case and you see this glaring problem that's kept someone in jail for a long time. That didn't happen. They found no reason to go back in front of a judge and say this sentence is too high. And he told the mayor that, and that essentially ended it. Now, I can't find in the government code any instance and any spot in which you would have violated a law, violated a government code. But I think that you have to be real, it deserves scrutiny when a person with political power, an elected official who had a vote over George Gascon's budget at the time goes and, and attempts to use that leverage for, for any kind of personal gain. So that's that's kind of what the, the more recent stories have been about.
0: Yeah, and I think it's important to tell our readers that, you know, we write a lot of stories about people with power in San Francisco, in the Bay Area, whether or not what they did was uh, legal or illegal or improper or, or fully proper. Um, really interesting to know what they're doing. In office so that people can look at it, look at it themselves. And judge for themselves. Exactly.
1: And again, yeah, I mean, it's hard. You put yourself in, in London Breed's position. And if this is a sibling who you care about, you're going to go to the mat for them. And so it's not to say, again, there's no evidence that she broke any laws with the governor's letter. There's no evidence that she broke any laws calling up the district attorney's office. Now, we know that years later, as time went on, the relationship between George Gascon and London Breed was sour. It It was... At sour at best, uh, maybe hostile at worst. And, and I think that f- from the individuals I talked to about that, you know, looking into what's sort of developed in San Francisco's district attorney's race lately, that that was really the kind of germ of that icy relationship that developed, it sort of started there um, and really never, never fully recovered.
0: Moving forward, George Giscone did, did nothing with the case. Jerry Brown also did not commute the sentence when she reached out to him. That's right. So that takes us up to the, the present day. George Gascon leaves office. He's going to run for district attorney in Los Angeles. Mayor Breed appoints Susie Loftus, the former police commissioner, to be interim district attorney right before the election. It's As we record this, It's it's the election is uh, still too close to call. Yep. So, you know, I know you scrutinize this. Mayor Breed uh, appointed a district attorney who is formally in charge of her brother's case as it as it headed toward that that court hearing last week
1: yeah it's sort of it's sort of in the in the context of napoleon brown's case if you will his situation it really begged the question someone who she endorsed a year ago someone who uh, a london breed believes in Susie loftus can be a quote partner in you know in in increasing prosecution of of drug drug crimes and car break-ins, I mean that's what she said explicitly. And what Susie is to her, and so it just begs the question. amid all of this Napoleon Brown stuff. I mean, so what is Susie Loftus going to do about the case? She has the opportunity to review the case herself and make a determination as if she, you know the district attorney's office would or would not fight a, a reduced sentence for uh, for Napoleon Brown. And we have the answer to that, and it's a clear no. Susie Loftus does not believe that the mayor's brother. Deserves or is entitled to a reduced sentence. I mean, she was explicit about that in in speaking to her, and uh, and they say they never spoke about it either. Both both the mayor and Susie Loftus said we've not discussed it. Um, but even if they had, Susie's a, a definite no on that question.
0: Sure. I mean, you know, looking looking at the case in in the long view, I mean, you could even argue that that now the the spotlight on the case could affect Susie Loftus feeling like that if she did do something with the case, it would be looked at as being for the mayor. Oh, I think the optics would be
1: very tough on that. I think they'd be terrible. I mean, that, that would invite a whole host of scrutiny about if, oh, thanks for the appointment, Here's this, you know, here's this uh, uh, a favor essentially for your brother. And I think when one thing we haven't talked about yet is why all of this talk about resentencing. I mean, a governor can commute a sentence that's in his you know, purview to do, especially on his way out of office. But what we're talking about here really is, you know, recent changes to California penal law that say, look, there are people who have been convicted of murder who never actually killed anybody you know it's called the felony murder rule the sort of classic example is if i go drive my friends around and they say hey wait for us in the parking lot of this 711 and then they go rob the 711 and shoot someone i could be on the hook for murder and many people found themselves in that very situation so up january of this year this new law kicked in changes to the felony murder rule that said look That's not the way we're going to do things anymore. And that gave people who had been convicted under that law the chance to petition for a lesser sentence. And that is what Napoleon Brown and his attorney are are trying to do here. That's why it's kind of come come back up. They were just in court uh, just late last week on that on that very thing.
0: Okay, so they go into court and this felony murder rule is at issue. But you said that Napoleon Brown was convicted uh, of manslaughter, ultimately in a plea. Exactly. So he is arguing that it applies to him as well? Yeah, that, this whole thing hinges on the ambiguities
1: in those changes that we talked about to the felony murder rule. It all hinges on this gray area, right? So what Napoleon Brown's attorney is arguing and hopes to argue uh, at a hearing in January is that, look, my guy has been convicted of manslaughter, but this felony murder rule should include that too. It's not just capital M murder. Manslaughter should be considered as a as a, a a condition under which I can get a lesser sentence for my guy here. As far as we know, that's not been tried before. Uh, there, are, there probably have been people who have petitioned under that before, who have tried to get some lesser sentences, saying, "Look, look, it wasn't a murder; it was a manslaughter, and you should consider that as part of a of a lesser sentence." But the the, the thing of it is, what happened today is the judge only gave him permission to make that argument. We don't know if Napoleon Brown will get a lesser sentence. We'll know after that January hearing. But the notion that somebody you know, convicted of manslaughter, which is still a homicide, right? That's the big umbrella crime here. Homicide is also listed in the, the letter of the law, so to speak. Murder is listed in the letter of the law. Manslaughter appears nowhere. So it's really going to come up to whether or not this, this, come down to, I should say, whether this judge agrees that, look, okay, a manslaughter charge is also eligible to get a lesser sentence under, this, under these new laws. Of
0: course, when you plead a manslaughter, often it's because of the threat. Of, of being convicted of murder. And that's exactly what happened in
1: Napoleon Brown's case. They vacated his initial murder conviction, but they were going to retry him for murder, and that did not seem like a very good which option. Which could have been a life sentence. Which could have been a life sentence. Exactly right. It could have, He could have been worse off for that. So at the time, they took a deal of manslaughter and concurrent sentence with the carjacking and armed robbery, and 44 years
0: is what it was. So it sounds like Napoleon Brown's attorneys are going to have to not only argue that the circumstances of the case fit, that he wasn't directly responsible for the murder or, or for the, the killing. Mm-hmm. But they're also going to have to prove that that his particular case fits the letter of this new law. That's exactly right.
1: And if he wins, and the judge uh, last week said, you have Mr. Brown has an uphill battle here. He made no bones about that, but he just didn't prevent that argument from taking place. But if Mr. Brown's attorney prevails, a guy named Mark Zilversmith, that could affect a lot of people. There are a lot of people in jail, who might have grounds for, you know, for a a break, for a reduced sentence if this goes through. So this is not just a a thing about Mr. Brown. There's going to be a lot of, you know, I think criminal justice experts and
0: defense attorneys looking to see what the outcome is here. All right. Before we go, was the mayor in court? Has she said anything about this latest uh, bid for resentencing? No. No. She has not participated in this last bid for resentencing at all, according
1: to Napoleon Brown's attorney. Uh, she's out of town right now. She took some time off after the election. I forget exactly where she went. Uh, but as of this recording, I don't believe she's in San Francisco. She's not participated in it. And, and I guess just to be clear, too, she said she doesn't recall ever making that, that phone call to, to George Gascone back in 2014. Doesn't remember. Said, I've advocated for lots of people and advocated for my brother. I don't know if I made that call. George Gascone wouldn't comment about it. So that's kind of that's kind of where things stand. But she's not involved this time around, according to her attorney and according to any available public court docs to that effect.
0: All right. Well, we'll look forward to your coverage of the January hearing. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Dom. Thanks, as always, to our guest today, Dominic Fricasa, to the producer of this episode, King Kaufman. And thank you for listening.
1: Fifth Admission is part of the San Francisco Chronicle podcast network.
0: If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing.
0: You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.